1: and make our decisions. We are evolving to be more conscious in our actions in a way that serves the world and makes it a better place. Welcome to the Ethical Evolution. The Ethical Evolution podcast is brought to you by the Ethical Change Agency. I'm Bindi, CEO and founder, and I am honoured to bring you the stories of those who create change through paying it forward and giving back ethical business owners and holistic healers who are determined to create collective change in the world. Once we have a change in consciousness and through collective change, we can become one. My next guest was recommended to me by another guest in the act of paying it forward. Through B Corp Connections, I'm finding a tribe of pioneers paving the way for others, and I'm constantly amazed and in awe of their innovation and determination to make collective change on the planet. James Bartle is the founding CEO of Outland Denim, the Queensland people's brand taking the world by storm. Their mission is to create denim to end poverty, offering sustainable employment and training opportunities to women who've experienced exploitation. Outland Denim is clear on its mission of empowerment, sustainability and transparency that makes a difference to communities, economies and the environment. Outland Denim has experienced blistering growth since Meghan Markle wore their brand during a visit to Australia and now welcomes other brands to adopt and use their manufacturing facilities to spread their ripples of change even further. I was super excited to get the opportunity to speak to James in a very heartwarming conversation that will inspire you to reconsider your clothing choices. Welcome, James, to the Ethical Evolution.
2: Well, thank you. Thanks so much for having me.
1: You're most welcome. Now, um, you are the founding CEO of Outland Denim, which is an ethical, sustainable um <clears throat> people's brand uh, for denim, uh, and it's gone global. It's gone gangbusters, actually. Do you want to tell us a bit about your background uh, and how Outland Denim came about?
2: Yeah, sure. Look, um, I I didn't come from a fashion background. Um, I came from a very different um, industry. I was uh, actually at the time when I got into this, I was riding as a freestyle motocross rider, and I was at a a festival (coughs) and I met a rescue agency that specialised in the identification and rescue of um, young ladies that had been stolen and sold and trafficked um, right. in Asia, and I was already interested in the the subject of human trafficking after having watched the Liam Neeson film Taken, yeah, which a few years earlier had really stirred me up. Um, in that there was some some script that said that you know these things still happen around the world, and um, for those who haven't watched the film, it's you know Liam Neeson being the hero of the film, but his daughter and friend were abducted when traveling through Europe and, um, sold into, um, uh, you know, sold legally into, uh, for sex. And it was just, you know, a really powerful movie that really moved me, um, to want to learn more. And so, um, yeah, so my background wasn't, wasn't fashion, but, um, seeing this issue of, um, human trafficking fashion seemed like the, the right industry to, to tackle it with, Um, and we went on this journey of learning more about the problem and how to solve it. And, um, you know, it, it always came back to being an economic solution. And so we find ourselves 10 years down the road and um, with this brand that, that's getting some traction.
1: Yeah. Now, you've had some pretty major milestones. And one one most notably is Megan Markle Wall Your Gear. So how did how did that, you know, boost your brand?
2: Look, that's incredible. Um, Megan Markle is is a is a great person. Um, she's certainly somebody that aligns with our brand. And, um, you know, when she wore it, it's one of those moments that you you wonder whether it's, um, well, you don't realize the impact that a human being could have on it in that way. You know, yeah. I, and you, you hear the stories, but you don't really believe it until it happens to you. And look, I'd, I'd landed in Cambodia, actually, the night before she wore our product here in Australia, and. I remember waking up because Cambodia is three hours behind Australia, yep. um, my phone being full of messages and stuff going on um, because Meghan Michael had worn Outland Adam James and the media were talking. And, um, look, it just completely changed our business. Um, you know, we were already in a really uh, steep grow, growth curve. Yep. Um, we'd just signed with David Jones. We'd just launched in Canada with the um, top two department stores there and so we were already, you know, hustling to keep up you know uh, but, but then um, she wears this product on top of it, which <laughs> just supercharges all of that plus more yeah um, and we sold out of the product that she wore within 48 hours and you know we had lots of traffic and all those things which were great um, but I think the greatest thing that she did was she she introduced our brand to the world
1: mm. and
2: we had the media talking about it and continuing their story on and we were seeing these headlines about Meghan Markle discovers this unknown Australian denim brand. And then this, these editorials just to go on and talk about our brand. And, and we really saw um, the beauty in the media and the generosity of the media to really help boost our brand and our, our impact. So that, that was all incredible and amazing. But um, really the thing that was most, I guess, profound about what happened there was that we were able to employ 46 new women as a, as a direct result of her Uh, wearing our product Um, so that was just you know really it was mind-blowing how that that took place Um, and you know going forward obviously there's challenges in growing Um, so you know there's lots of good there's lots of challenges that come with that kind of exposure as well. Yeah
1: yeah I mean scaling on such a rapid uh, growth curve like there's so much you've got to be prepared for isn't there?
2: Yeah, there is, and and there's so much that we didn't understand, we hadn't learned. We're learning as we go. Um, you know, we'd operated our business um, for a number of years, but um, when it grows as fast as that, you know, then there's cash flow issues. Um, you know, so yeah, it's just it's there's a lot. But look, what an incredible opportunity to to get to experience fast growth like that. Get to experience the good and the bad. Um, to you know, learn to be better at it for next time.
1: Yeah. And, um, you know, I think one of the beautiful things, as you've said about that, is that the impact that you get to make from that growth. Um, do you want to tell us a bit more about your mission and what it is you want to achieve through um, your brand?
2: Yeah. Look, our ultimate goal is to utilise the fashion industry um, to create um, global change on a number of fronts, um, social and environmental. Um we believe that we can do that through giving the opportunity and tools to vulnerable um, people um, to be successful themselves. And so, what that looks like in our case is um, our social impact model is built on four pillars. The first thing is that we give opportunity to women that may not get it otherwise. Um, they may come from around, they come from lots of different backgrounds. I mean, it could be, you know, they they may have been sold into a garment factory and been literally a slave in a garment factory, or they may have been somebody that's um, been exploited in lots of other horrific ways and, um, and, and then not all of them. Some of them could just have a disability, a physical disability or they could have come off the street and might be poor. Um, just it could be anything. A vulnerable women um, come in, they then start earning a living wage, which means that they get to enjoy lifestyle like you and I, get to enjoy where they can have healthcare, they can save, they could go out for dinner on Friday night. You know, just the basics, have an education. Um, to send their kids to school you know? mm. so um, you know that's that's one of the one of the I guess big steps and and to me it seems crazy that that's a big deal and that that we we get credit for that because that should be just the base for every business yeah. um, but unfortunately the fashion industry is notorious for underpaying mm. um, and exploiting human beings um, but that's the second pillar. The third is that we then train them in every aspect, uh, meaning that we skill them so that they become high skilled seamstresses, which that's what gives them independence. That's what means they're not dependent on us anymore. They can go and get a job, somebody somewhere else as a highly skilled seamstress, mm. meaning that they can earn more money as a result of that. So they'll learn to make the entire product over a two and a half to three and a half year, uh, uh, time slot. And then education and that being a really powerful part of what happens, educating them um, on things like languages or finance or women's health and a range of different little micro-educational programs that run um, and that's just built into work. You know, if Mm. you're coming to work and it's a, you know, your nine to five will look like, Um, having these things built into different parts of the week or month or um, depending on what's happening. So um, we found that the model is really, really powerful, but if you take one of those elements out, it loses its power. So it's an expensive way of operating and it's unfortunate that we are operating from a deficit when it comes to, um, you know, the human collateral in the workforce and how how they have been, I guess, exploited over time and therefore... um, operate like this to to bring things back to an even playing field so that's that's been um uh, amazing and miraculous to see how people how how in fact they change their own lives we don't change it we just give them the tools the opportunity um but then they're the ones that do all the changing um lift themselves out of this place we can't do that um and i think often we do come in as the as the you know, white saviour mentality, we're going to save the day and mm-hmm. to be honest, um, it's really patronising and it's, it's, they don't need us for that. They just need us to treat them the way <laughs> they deserve to be treated. But unfortunately, we've for a long time exploited the poor.
1: Mm. And um, you know, I, I'm picking up some similar themes here from um some other guests I've had on um, the Ethical Evolution James because um we're all about collective change here and, and and that's why you're here. Um I've spoken with a few people around the world um to name a few um You Underwear in the UK has a similar kind of uh uh mission to yourself. Um also Secret Sisterhood, um Freedom Hub on the Gold Coast um and Sydney um all helping um, women um, who are victims of human trafficking, sex slavery, those kind of things, once we get in there and we help those women and empower them, they don't just help themselves, they help an entire community and an entire economy.
2: Absolutely. And I think that's, that's what I love to talk about is sustainability in its truest form. Um you know, unfortunately, we've as as uh, business has evolved over the years since the Industrial Revolution, we've start we've somehow just gone to measuring one measure, which is the economic impact, and and when we even talk about the economic impact, we're talking about what that is in the in the profit country, the country where we're collecting the profits. We're not even measuring that across the other countries um, of our supply chain, and true sustainability measures the social environmental and economic impact across the entire supply chain. And so that's that's what I'm really passionate about is being able to prove that this is possible, prove that business can benefit everybody from the very beginning to the very end. And that means your investors, that means your sales associates, that means the media. That means the guy that grew the cotton, mm. the person that picked it, you know, the everybody. And if you could create a business um, and a model that impacted every single person along the way because they were respected the way they should be and treated the way they should be, then what would the outcome be? And I think that's what we're starting to see is that, you know, this is such a powerful model because you you create a product which is beautiful that people want to buy because the product is beautiful. Oh, and guess what? the impact of buying that product is all of these things. You don't need to make a donation. Mm. No longer do you need to make a donation. And unfortunately, we have a lot of charities and we have these charities because business isn't doing things the right way. If business turned and did things the right way, then we would just have um, a, a model that worked where people from beginning to end were treated the way they were. And therefore, like you say, we wouldn't just be impacting the individuals who worked within those supply chains, we'd be impacting their families. And on a much greater scale, their communities and even nations yeah if we were to do it the right way
1: yeah yeah and it's it's such a beautiful thing to see and and you know i think you know i've come onto something here with this ethical evolution because the way we look at spending now like yeah. i know for me like i will probably buy something more if i know it's making a better impact yeah. on, on the environment and people and the economy um, yeah. whereas if it's not so i think it really does influence our decision making yeah, um, there's no question, yeah. Now, um, on the sustainability side of things and the environmental side of things, um, some of my other guests have also spoken about how um, damaging the fashion industry can be to the environment, particularly in the production of cotton. Absolutely. Um, what do you guys do around, um, you know, in, you know reducing that impact?
2: Yeah, um, it is. Uh, and, in fact, not just the fashion industry but denim in particular, which is where we work, mm. is, is the black sheep of – of all of fashion it's it's very um you know devastating on an environmental and social level so Mm. um so it's the ultimate product to change the world with in my opinion Mm. um so we start in the cotton field and uh, for us that's a choice in using organic cotton Mm. but the reality is organic cotton needs to usually be irrigated um and so it's a high water consumption um plant um but uh, there's also a lot of myths around a lot of other fibers that get put out there as being better but um you know I, in my opinion my belief cotton is the ultimate it's just the way we manage that process that mm. um always needs to be um using organic cotton then goes um through to a well it's picked ours is grown in turkey mm-hmm. um So it's important to us to work with our suppliers to be able to follow our supply chain to know where it's grown. Um, You know, and that in itself is a big challenge. Um, As they change into, you know, new farms, it's like, gosh, now we've got to go and make sure that things are happening the way that they say they're happening. Um, It's a really, really challenging process to stay on top of. Um, uh, That's on a social level. Um, But back to environmental, once once it's been picked, it goes to the gin, gin onto the denim mill. Um, that next phase is potentially devastating. I mm. mean, traditionally, and most clothing you'll buy off the shelf um, when, it's, when it's dyed and processed, um, it'll be using um, pretty toxic uh, dyeing processes to keep the color in.
0: Mm.
2: Um, we made a decision that we're not going to have a sustainable collection. Like, if you have a sustainable collection, um, meaning environmentally sustainable. Um, Well, then it says that you're not a sustainable brand. Um, Mm -hmm. So everything that we produce has to be done to a certain standard. And that is the best standard that exists at the time. And that means in the dyeing process for us, we're using plant-based. No toxic or harmful chemicals can be used in the process of dyeing our fabrics. Our fabrics then go to Cambodia where we own two um, of our our two factories. Um, The first one is our cut and sew facility. Um, It's not... There's not a whole lot that happens there, a bit of energy reduction, but, you know, it's just cut and sewed. There's not a lot of um, environmental issues. Um, Your waste is collected and managed. But um, then to the washing and finishing facility, which is where a big part of the problem exists, and that's because of the amount of water that's used in processing jeans. Um, the chemicals again that are used in um, getting the effects on your genes um, and then how the waste uh, water and the, the, the waste products the sludges and things that are um, created in the processing um, are managed and mm. so for us this was a great place to start and so we invested into the latest technologies um, using laser technologies which means no water used in the process Um, in that process where you can get a lot of the holes and effects on the genes, um, literally using laser beams. It's incredible. Yeah. Um, And then we go to the next um, groundbreaking technology, which is called eFlow technology, which uses nanobubbles. It fires these nanobubbles over the fabric, which reduces the amount of water that needs to be used, 95%. The chemicals that we use, never any harmful um, uh, bodies within those chemicals um and then it goes on to like ozone technology ozone technology is where they're um, replacing a lot of the bleaching processes which use really harsh chemicals um and so we can do away with all of these things by using these processes where we reduce water we change the the environmental and and social outcome of a lot of the processing um and then what are we doing with water if if water has to be discharged well you know how is it treated how is it processed and filtered and um, so, it's going through those processes to manage um, the outcome at the end to be the most sustainable product in the market. Um, and, that's, and that's what we've been able to create, but not just because of the environmental, because of the social element and the economic element and being able to monitor how, monitor how by creating a gene um, that has had an impact into one individual's life, into a family, a community, um, and then also on an environmental level, how that's measured. Um, And then in turn, how that comes back and gives us the opportunity to open up things like what we've just opened up, which is an equity crowdfunding campaign where now we can open up that economic impact to our community, our supporters, those who are on board with us um, to get a dividend. So if they have $250 to invest or $10,000 to invest, um, they they can now put that in, get a dividend on it and, and expand on their wealth to be able to do more good. So we only see this as a really good thing and being able to open up wealth to community um, and diversify that that wealth across from not just those that can afford these big investments, but to the public, the general public.
1: Yeah, that's a beautiful thing. I was looking at it the other day and I'm going, hmm, I think I might be in on this. Um, For those people who, you know, are mum and dad investors and and actually want to make a a decent investment, um, what kind of return on investment are they looking at?
2: Yeah, well, I mean, it's, um, it's an exciting prospect for us when we look at the kinds of returns that could be possible in the future. Of course, we, you know, we say to everybody that's going to invest, you never invest something that you can't afford to lose. Mm. Everything is a risk and we're seeing with what's happened right now with coronavirus, mm. uh, devastating the world and, um, economically, um, being completely crushed. Um, we see our brand um, uh, benefiting. Um, our online sales are going up Mm. like I said we're in the middle of this equity crowdfunding raise and we're seeing people invest in fact we're the fastest company to get to our minimum that platforms ever had and we're amongst the hardest economic time in our history yeah Uh, that's that's incredible but what it says is that people are still willing to spend even amongst such um, challenging times but I don't believe that they're willing to spend on anything I Mm. believe that they're willing to spend on products that they love that have meaning and purpose and maybe even delivers a little bit of hope into what our future could look like um so when we get to return on investment it's very hard because the 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 ball has shifted so far so quickly to and therefore we would never give a number right now but all we can say is that we expect really healthy returns in fact our goal is that you'll get a better return from this than you'll get from your traditional investment certainly hopefully better than you'll get having money in the bank that's for sure um uh, because that's actually how you make the greatest change. If you make more money from investing into this kind of business model, then you have the ability to shift an industry. And if you shift an industry um, to this kind of model, what could happen? We now could be talking about challenging things like poverty and mm. you know, global issues that are so big, um, but it's going to take an industry to get behind it.
1: Yeah, and um, I noticed the other day, um, you know, with all of the technology you use in your manufacturing now, um, that other brands are, are wanting to actually work with you to to manufacture their own products, which is beautiful. It's just spreading yeah. those ripples, isn't it? So, yeah. Um, yeah. and I think you know, if this is something that big fashion brands can get on with, like this, this is world changing stuff.
2: Yes, yeah, yeah, it absolutely is. And, you know, it's exciting to see the big brands watching. Mm. Um, and, you know, we're in communication with a number of bigger brands that, um, you know, have a lot more power than we have as a, as a small um, brand. So we, we think that this is absolutely the, the way to, um, I, I guess, make the most of what we've built is be able to produce with other brands, to use their networks, to be able to educate their consumer base and um you know hopefully encourage even bigger brands to jump on board
1: yeah now i I noticed also you've been doing a bit of a campaign around some of the people who actually work for you Mm -hmm. and um you know these are some of the people that whose lives you've changed do you want to tell us a story about you know one of the people that you know you've helped throughout your business in changing their life
2: yeah, sure. Um, I mean, there's so many incredible stories. Um, you know, I often go back to the same story of you know one of the first ladies that we employed and how she was able to um, build a home for her family who previously lived under a plastic sheet. Mm. Um, you know, she was also able to buy her sister back from someone that owned her. Like incredible, incredible stories that are kind of a little bit hard to receive even um, here in the West because it sounds a bit more like a movie than reality. Yeah. but unfortunately, it is reality. Um, for millions of people around the world every single day living this lifestyle um so her life has been changed through her own hard work in this business model um all the way through to you know a you know 17 year old girl who was literally a slave as a 14 year old um in a garment factory in malaysia um you know she's she watched her friend who was trafficked with her die in in the factory um you know, and you think about that as a, as a young 14-year-old girl, how absolutely devastating that is. Mm. And so for her to come out of those environments into a loving and caring environment where she's valued um, and equipped to be uh, successful on her own, um, you can imagine the transformation that that um, that has to take place. Um, but again, because of her own hard work, because there's a great um, model that's been built to foster that kind of change mm. uh, they have the ability to completely change their lives that young lady she's married now she's you know um you know going on with her, her husband's um you know m- moving on and up the up the too with the, his career and so there's this fantastic fantastic stories that you just go man I just can't even imagine that being real and um and and it just it just is but all the way through to some of the leaders that you've seen some of our managers that you've yeah. seen Um, on there you know all come from varying backgrounds Um, uh, a number of those managers are speaking more to the what they what they bring so we've brought in experts in a lot of those places um, to be able to manage certain things but um, they're certainly dedicated and when you see them themselves wanting to open up their own wallets to help somebody else Mm. uh, um, that's pretty incredible and so then I say you had the ultimate success when one of our staff sees someone else in need and wants to pay it on and pay it forward. And um, I don't know if you've ever watched the the movie um, Pay It Forward, mm. uh, I'll, I'll, but, you know, one of my favourite movies of all time because I just love the concept of, you know, um, if someone does something to help you uh, and and you don't need to pay them back, you yeah. need to pay it forward. And if we had that attitude, man, wouldn't the world be a different different
1: place? It so would, and and it's a big part of this podcast and the Ethical Change Agency, actually. Yeah. Actually, so it's a big part of our ethos. Um, and you know, you've come full circle there. That is just absolutely beautiful. Um, now, no doubt, you've had your challenges through getting to where you are, James. What what's been your biggest one, and how'd you overcome it?
2: Well, there's so many. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know. I uh, often hear people go, oh, my gosh, you just blew up. It just turned into this thing so quickly. And I'm yeah. like, man, this is 10 years and and it's been hard all the way. And, you know, as much as the likes of Meghan Markle or Leonardo DiCaprio, those kinds of endorsements boost your brand. Um they only happen because of the hard work that's gone in before it, not just by me, but by by just so many people. Our community, um, our staff, but beyond our staff, our supporters. You know, like it's just it's such a team effort to get something like this to happen. And our greatest challenge along that path, I think, is is has been obviously cash flow is always one for every business um, managing knowing you've got enough. Um, but then the, the the mental side, I think, the mental side is is really the thing you've got to beat. Um, you know you can um you can be beaten by your own head Mm -hmm. so quickly Mm -hmm. i I feel like you know everything wants you to fail especially when there's something you know that's so needed like these kinds of of projects and um you know man the anxiety that's been so gripping and overwhelming at times i remember i'm not an anxious person and i am I thank goodness but um, you know there's been there's been a number of times within the past two years where you know I've I've just not known how that I could survive or get through and Mm. and it's been just such a new experience for me to feel that kind of mental um, anguish and it's it's not it's not a business I can walk away from when it gets too hard it's like a burden of that I carry to we can't quit there is no other option but that's also your strength Mm. is that Okay, there is no other option. I have to get through. I have to be able to, um, you know, continue on this this road to to see that that freedom is given to more people through the opportunity that we can provide um, through this industry. And um, I'm so motivated to keep going that I guess that that's that's where I draw my strength from. And I also last year really really felt a strong. Um, conviction that um you know if you really want to get um if you really want to become if you want to stabilize it might be a way of putting it um so that you can be much more even keeled in um, this process of growing you need to learn to be able to be peaceful amongst the chaos
1: that's it
2: um yeah and and i really focused on that last year and i, I wouldn't say that i've mastered it yet but um But by being focused on it's out of my control and I've done the best I can to this point. Okay. I've done everything I can now. It will be what it'll be. Mm. Even, even the worst case scenario if things didn't turn out the way that we dream they will, um, it will be what it'll be. And I can be peaceful in that. And that's actually given me then the mental capacity to be able to make better decisions, um, and to still have the motivation to get out of bed in the morning, Mm. um, so yeah, it's a, it's probably the mental the mental challenge and battle um the or battles that you face um pretty consistently is I'd say yeah. the list,
1: yeah I can so relate um you know I, I think um, one thing I constantly have to remind myself of is that um when we focus on the problems that's what we'll get and when we focus on yeah. the solutions that's what we'll get. So yeah, no
2: question I've, I um uh, had a consultant the other day tell me that when we actually then go and verbalise um, one of these, you know, um, you know, it could be for instance, it might be, um, oh, I'm so worried because um, our cash is getting so low. Mm. Uh, well, when we verbalise it, we give it the, I think he said, the power of ten. Yeah. Um, in the the chemical release and and what it does in our body and anxiety and worry. So, um, it's really important to be very. Um, disciplined about the way we talk. Um, my dad's said that to me for years. Be careful what you say. Yeah. Um, You know, and I was very loose with the things I would say, and I probably still am a bit. But I'm, <laughs> I'm really trying to, um, you know, tighten up because the power of a word is 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 genuinely really really powerful.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Now, um, I love asking this question, and I'm super keen to hear what your answer is. I want you to define for me what ethical means to you.
2: Ethical to me is I actually don't really like the word, to be perfectly honest. Yeah. Um, the reason I don't like the word is I shouldn't even have to have it.
1: No, true. It well, should just be automatic, right? Ethical to
2: me means um, it's your moral baseline. Mm. its, it's it, it should be normal. Mm. It shouldn't be a thing. Oh, and ethically produced. Oh, ethically produced. You know, like what? like i find that crazy so ethical to me is is absolutely it's the baseline it's it you know what it should be ethical as the normal mm. generous as the next thing you absolutely know? um yeah
1: yeah i love that um now um what are the future plans uh for growing um outland denim and paying it forward
2: so many. Um, you know, we, we're so excited about the future because there's so much opportunity and even COVID-19 um, even brings some of those to the table. Mm. Um, we see right now that um, the opportunity exists in cr- continuing to create better manufacturing practices and engaging community to partake in that. And so what that means is we've just gone through this um, ep- um, this pandemic where we've seen um waterways in Venice cleaner, mm, yeah. which you can see the sky in India um, on an environmental level. Um, we've also seen so much devastation in the West and tragedy and hurt and pain, which we see in third world and developing countries all the time yeah. for different reasons. And so I think this has really opened up um, the world's eyes to some very needed home truths about the world we live in. And I think that this is going to highlight and accentuate the desire um, within a larger majority of our public to look for opportunities and using their purchasing power to create the change that they want to see. So
1: mm.
2: then, therefore, we're going to have more brands looking for manufacturers that can create that kind of impact. Um, that's where Outland Denim will step, step up and continue to grow um, to be able to um, meet uh, part of that market need. Um, we want to work with, with brands, manufacturers um, alike to be able to um, continue to find new ways of producing and developing and changing the way this industry has operated into a force for uh, rapid change, um, a force to eradicate poverty and a force to um, utilise an industry which has so much meaning and purpose Um, into, um, you know, uh, the industry that leads the way into the future and that being the fashion industry of creating environmental and social economic change.
1: I love it. Absolutely love it. Um, And, you know, what? I think um, I really, really hope with all my heart that the world does change from COVID-19 and that we don't go back to the way things were. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Look, I think a percentage of us um, will and a percentage of us won't. Um, but, um, yeah, it's it's definitely going to be a step in the right direction.
1: Yeah. So um, how can people get involved and, and get some jeans? Like I'm super excited to get in these jeans now.
2: Right. <laughs> yeah, look, I mean, we, we, we sell them online um, yep. and it's, it's risk-free. So you can basically go, hey, I'd just like to try a pair. So you buy them. Yep. Um, we set, don't charge you for shipping. If you don't like them, we pay for the shipping to come back and refund you your money. So there's no risk to anyone trying our jeans. Mm-hmm. Um, you can also go into when they open. Um, if you're in the US, into Nordstrom's for women's or Bloomingdale's for men's. Um, David Jones here in Australia. Harry Rosen's Hot Renfrew in Canada. Um, you know, and, and a range of great specialty stores um, scattered around uh, as well. So we've got some amazing retailers Um and uh, but yeah, online is the, the easiest way. There's just a little uh, little fly is gonna <laughs> go across the camera.
1: <laughs> so uh, what's your website, James?
2: So the website is
1: outlanddenim.com.au
2: au if you are in Australia and com if you're in the US. We sell in the UK as well online. Um so you know we've got quite a quite a great um network now of retailers and also being able to sell in those countries directly, having warehouses in the US and the UK as well. Um, so it's becoming a lot easier for people to try the product. Yeah. Um, if they want to get involved, I mean, right now is the ultimate opportunity that, um, which is a rare opportunity to actually have ownership, to become a shareholder and owner of the brand for as little as $250. Mm. Um, you can spend between $250 and maximum of $10,000. You become... An investor um, who gets voting rights and dividends and all of those things as they become available. So um, we think it's an exciting opportunity. We've seen our community grow rapidly over the past few weeks.
1: Yeah. Now you guys are B Corp certified too, aren't you?
2: Yes, we are. Yeah.
1: Yeah, which is which is I'm super excited about that. I'm actually going through the the assessment process myself. Ah, It's massive. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it is. I'm trying to get through it. Um,
2: Oh, good. That's fantastic. Yeah.
1: Now, my final question for you, James, is a big one, and I absolutely love asking this question. What's the change you'd like to see in the world and how can we bring it to life?
2: Well, that's that's a really big question. It <laughs> is. A very deep question. <laughs> the change that I'd like to see in the world is our hearts. Um, I would like to see that we could stop living this fast-paced Lifestyle where it's very difficult for all of us to see the need and we pass it by. Um, But, you know, my experience I've been, I've lived a really blessed, incredible, amazing life where I've been so blessed, you know, by people who have supported me and gifted to me. And I grew up in a rich country, you know. I got an education. I got I got to go and uh, follow my dreams to have a career as a, as a motor, professional motocross racer. Like, you know, I've got to live some incredible opportunities mm. and you can have all of these things yet this need all around you and you forget to see it or you don't see it. Yeah. And if our heart changed and we were just to look for the little need that was beside us the person that was hurting, just a listening ear. It could be simple, simple little things. But if we did that and if we actively looked for that, man, the world would change because no longer would we be willing to buy clothing that we know enslaved people. Mm. No longer would we buy milk from Woolworths and Coles whom destroyed our dairy industry. Mm. (laughs) That's getting a bit blunt, but Mm. that's the reality. (laughs) Yeah. You know? Um, We would support our farmers. We would love each other even if we have a different opinion. Mm. Um, But that all comes back to our heart and when our heart changes, all those other things will follow Um, and I think our hearts are good and want to do the right things but we live a fast life um, where we don't give it the time to sit and um, recognise some Mm. of the needs that are right there in front of us.
1: Oh, my God, James. That is the most beautiful answer to that question I've got so far. No, absolutely beautiful i love it thank you so much for joining me on the ethical evolution it's been an absolute beautiful pleasure
2: oh thank you so much i'm, I'm so grateful that you would would have me on your show why thank wouldn't
1: you. we <laughs> <laughs> thank you james
2: cheers have a good one
1: thanks for listening to the ethical evolution podcast if you're an ethical business owner change maker or holistic healer who's determined to make a change in the world and you need support to spread your message, visit ethicalchangeagency.com to collaborate. Welcome to Sarah Talk Solutions. Ladies and gentlemen, you've tuned into a bit of the-